My name is Melanie Pitsy, CEO of the GPA. And I'm Tara O'Sullivan, CMO of Amidas. As you'll all be aware, there are so many talented, driven and hardworking individuals within the payroll industry from all around the world. We wanted to give these individuals the opportunity to share their journey, expertise and experiences with you. So what better way to do this than through the Humans of Payroll podcast? everyone and we have our next episode of humans of payroll and i'm delighted to say that we have felicia cheek today so hi felicia hi hi felicia it's great to meet you hi everybody (laughs) and and as we see as usual we have my co-buddy tara as well hi everybody great to be here mel so felicia i've known you for oh my god years yeah we have and um so but I'm sure there's going to be loads that I'll find out um about you today so so do you want to tell or introduce yourself to the audience today and a little bit about you and how long you've been in the industry sure so uh so my name is Felicia Cheek and uh I am the director of uh product strategy at Oracle I work in payroll and uh payroll is my passion And uh, I have been working in payroll for many, many, many years, more than I'm going to put a number on. But I will (laughs) tell you (laughs) that it is right now, it is so exciting to be um, part of payroll because there are so many great things happening. And um, I I guess my, uh, what I really like is global payroll strategy. I like helping organizations um, plan how they're going to successfully pay employees in countries across the globe. So, and I, I guess I'll say I started my payroll career like many people here in the U.S. with ADP. And uh, so I've had the opportunity to work um, from different angles. I worked um, at a corporation where I got to see payroll from the inside, which was really, really good because starting at ADP, um, we were processing or helping customers process payroll. And a lot of times we would um, we would give advice and, um, and share things that the payroll person would have a hard time actually implementing. And it seems so easy to us, right? It was like, um, it just made sense to do it that way. Well, once I worked at an organization on the inside, and I saw all of the bureaucracy and the different things that payroll goes through, it definitely helped me when I came out of that environment and start consulting and advising again, understand and be able to mentor and coach a little bit better because I knew what they were going through uh, on the inside. So um, Felicity, you talked about how passionate you are about payroll, especially global payroll. Um, and one of the things we found out on this on this podcast is that not everybody grows up thinking, I want to be in payroll. So talk to us a bit about um, how you got into payroll, but also how you found your passion for it. Sure. And so it's unfortunate that all the little kids don't know how their parents get the money to buy, you know, all the games and things that they get to do. Um, If they knew that, they would definitely be saying, I want to be in payroll. I want to be in payroll. But um, I wish that I could be the first person to sit here today and tell you that I dreamed of being in payroll and I was that kid. But unfortunately, that's not my story. I was actually interested in customer service and I applied for and got this great job at ADP. And it was all about customer service. 
as it relates to payroll. And so I, you know, I got the job and it's like, I, I love helping customers, but payroll was totally different and you really have to know payroll. So that's in order for me to be good at customer service and giving my, um, my clients the advice and support they needed, I had to learn payroll and you just learn it. One of the things that I really like about payroll is if you really sit down and you think about it in its basic form, um, we can relate to it because we are an employee. We are the recipient of payroll, right? We are a payroll customer. So that's kind of how I started to think about it and and learn about it. And I became interested because I had these customers that had all kinds of questions. So you've got to know how to help them. Uh, I believe that um, when I was at, um, when I was at ADP, I I had a passion for payroll, just I, I gained a passion for payroll because the people that we were helping, they they always needed the help. You could tell they needed the help. They had a lot of pressure. And then when I left ADP and I went to work inside of a corporation, I could see how payroll was sometimes taken for granted and neglected. They had old equipment. Um, they were never invited to the table. And I developed a passion for really mentoring and coaching payroll people on, you know, you have all of this data, you are this important to the process, the HR process, um, to the accounting process, and you need to be more powerful, you need to have time to attend those meetings, because a lot of times, Payroll people aren't invited to meetings, but also a lot of times when they are, they don't have time to come because guess what? They're processing payroll. And so looking for ways to streamline the process, to leverage a system or technology to make it easier so they could attend those meetings became my passion. And um, and that's really, that's really how I became very passionate about payroll because this was a part of any organization that um, that impacts every single employee across the organization. And they just didn't get as much respect and support as they needed. And um, I just, again, became very passionate about being that person to push the payroll people out there. Excellent. One one thing I know about you um, is that you're, you're really good at networking. Do you think payroll people need to step outside of their sort of comfort zone a little bit and and network and do you think that would in, in improve the profile and, and everything else to do with the payroll department and the individuals? Yeah, absolutely. Um and it's it's um it's realizing the value that you add to the organization, right? And so at the end of the day, I like to say it's all about payroll because if employees don't get paid um, or if they don't trust payroll and trust is a big thing, if they don't trust payroll, then they're not productive in the things that help the company or the organization be successful. And so payroll people have to realize their value and then they have to sell that value within the organization because we have so much data in payroll. And so being able to share that data for decision support across the broader organization is very, very powerful and helpful. And a lot of payroll people, if you are in payroll and you are just processing the payroll from day to day, you're doing the wrong thing. Um, and you, you're, you're, you're just not really representing payroll. In fact, we, we really need to talk to you if that's all you have time to do is process payroll. 
And, and that's really interesting because <clears throat> one of the elements that I think is is become really important over the last year is payroll's involvement in COVID and making sure that everybody got paid, <clears throat> but also the level of data that payroll has been able to give to the C-suite and to the board to explain what's happening in the organization. So I'm with you. I think data is one of the most important elements that the payroll can demonstrate their how critical they are to the business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you raise a really good point there when we talk about COVID. Um, I think as a result of COVID, a lot of organizations have uh, re-evaluated how they look at payroll and really uh, increased the value. And you talk about frontline workers and, um, you know, who is a frontline worker. Payroll definitely stepped up. Maybe we weren't included in that initially, but with COVID and just seeing the results and to your point, the, the value that we added from a data perspective, um, payroll definitely took a front seat and, um, you know, has become a lot more important to many organizations. Do you think that'll be an ongoing thing? Do you think the profile will carry on? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think COVID has added a lot to that, but I also think that we have seen a change in the kind of payroll leaders that we have um, being a lot more uh, extrovert. And I think Tara, like you said, uh, getting out and sharing that data within the company and, you know, leveraging technology, streamlining and simplifying the process allows payroll leaders to actually go out and attend those meetings. And, and I mean, by attending and not necessarily sitting in the meeting, but adding value with the information that you have and, you know, the data that you can share. And if we think about it, every single thing in the organization at some point, or, or we'll say across HR, hits payroll. The result of it is in payroll. And so most of the time, if there are inefficiencies, if there are policies that need to be in place, payroll is the one that brings that to the attention of leadership. And it's just having that strong payroll leader that we're really starting to see now that can take that information, analyze it, and present it to the executives or the decision makers um, to make meaningful change across the organization. Absolutely. Um, and you talked earlier about um, the, the the kind of global payroll and how, how much you like global payroll. And obviously, there's a massive difference between the domestic piece and the global piece. And, and it's really complex. So tell us maybe about your your kind of approach to global payroll, and especially in Oracle, because um, you, you guys have a very specific approach to, to how you do global payroll. Yeah, and, and I, I, I think one of the things, there's so many things to learn to your point in global payroll. And the first thing that you have to learn is you are generally going to have multiple payroll systems. And, uh, and so we recognize that here at Oracle. We're not trying to build payroll across the globe. Uh, we recognize that there may be some partners that are stronger in certain areas that can help us do that, right? And so we have really invested in our integration and making that seamless uh, across the HR system or to the payroll system. And when I say seamless, one of the things that I'm really proud of is we have really tried to humanize that experience. So looking at the impact on the payroll administrator, on the HR administrator, and on the employee, and making that look like and feel like a single system is our strategy. So um, what I would say is you will have multiple payroll systems in any global environment, 
but you need to know how to effectively optimize those systems. And that is really our focus. I think a lot, a lot of people, when they go into the, the global payroll arena, they're really surprised, aren't they, about there isn't just necessarily, not just necessarily the one solution, but how complicated it is. It's not, you don't just step out there and then you can all of a sudden process payrolls around 20 countries. There's so many different aspects, isn't there, to think about. Do you think that's what's what excites you as well about the global side? Because if, if I'm being honest, America is, how many states? Is it 52? Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, And that is the biggest thing is, you know, in global payroll, it's all about strategy. And, um, and so when we talk about the profile and the new who, who the new what the new payroll leaders look like, it's people that are able to be strategic and to build and execute on a strategy. So global payroll, again, is all about strategy. And for some reason, I really like strategy. And so, you know, the more systems you have, the more countries you're in, the more employees you pay, or really in global payroll, it's when you pay those small pockets of employees, that's where your strategy comes in. And that's really where I get excited. And, and I will also add to that, one of the things that, um, that a lot of organizations did initially when we started talking about global payroll and consolidating is they took the local payroll leader and put them over the world because they were good in that local market. And that's one of the quick lessons that I think organizations started to learn is we need a different skill set as a global payroll leader. And so that person may or may not be in the home office, but that person really has to be able to communicate effectively across the organization um, to do what needs to be done in a global environment. You know, uh, with uh, obviously America, when, when we talk about global payroll and then we um, used to talk about America and Americans would always say that America sees America as the, the global part. That makes sense. And then you yeah. Do you think the opinions of companies or uh, payroll people in America have changed their view on global payroll? <laughs> I think absolutely. That's a really good question. Uh, being American, uh, but I think absolutely, absolutely, and and I think that we may be um, an initially guilty of picking the the U.S. payroll person to lead across the globe, and a lot of those people were very effective. Um, because they have the skills. But the underlying thing is they have the skills to view the world and understand the differences, the unique differences um, from a legislative perspective and a cultural perspective across the globe, right? Those that were not as successful were really looking single-eyed at what we're doing um, here in the United States. And a lot of times, I too was guilty of this. We look at the United States has 50 um, 50 states and various um, territories. And so we looked at that as, you know, Europe, there's lots of different countries. So it's the same thing. But the difference is we have an umbrella called the federal government. And um, generally, that makes everything the same. And it does. Uh, And we have, you know, the the same language, we have the same currency. And you don't generally have that from country to country. So I I think, uh, I think, Mel, we have grown. Um, you talked earlier about uh, humanizing the process of global payroll, which I love because um, I think, you know, 
I think that's not being done in a lot of places at the moment. Tell me a bit more. So obviously the, the human element is really important um, when we talk to companies where payroll reports up through HOR. But I think it's just as important when they're when payroll is reporting up through the finance side. Talk a little bit about that, maybe. Yeah, and I agree with you. And, you know, probably 50% of organizations are under HR and 50% under finance. And when you're in roles like we are, you do see some differences, right? But humanizing payroll is important because it's impacting the employee experience. So if payroll is aligned under finance and your focus, your, your primary focus is on cost, and efficiency, but not necessarily um, effectiveness and the human experience, that's going to impact HR. It's going to impact um, the employee experience because at the end of the day, my experience, a lot of my experience as an employee, and I mentioned this before, is my trust for getting an accurate and timely payroll. And if everything else is right, and I don't get an accurate and timely payroll, I had a bad experience at that organization. So it's it's sure. very much um, it, it's very much a human um, a, a human process, I guess I should say. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm just going to add one other thing too. When we talk about um, it, it's payroll is part of financial wellness, employee financial well being, and so when we talk about humanizing, if we can make your employees happy, if your employees trust you as an employer that they are going to get an accurate and timely payroll every single time, then ultimately they are more productive. Uh, they are uh, working. They're not calling in sick. Um, so, so there's lots of benefits to the organization when you have an effective payroll process. And, and I also think even from the, when you think about COVID, like the, your pay slip is one of the emails you will always open, right? And exactly. you will always download your pay slip or click it on the app or whatever it is. And I think there's definitely a huge opportunity there to bring your culture of financial wellness and, and employee well-being into the pay slip by advising them or, you know, giving them options for what to do with pensions and that kind of thing. I just think there's a massive opportunity there as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I think also when I worked in recruitment, if there was ever an issue with uh, the payroll, it was the blame culture as well. It wasn't necessarily the payroll department's fault. It could have been the line manager's fault, but it might not have been the line manager's fault or the payroll. But it was always there was always one person that the employee would blame and that relationship breaks down so it is it is as you say it's so important yeah and and i i mentioned that before that's a really good point i mentioned that before is you know across hr and other parts of the organization if there is an issue most employees will see it in payroll and so um you know payroll gets blamed you know as an employee if there's an issue with my check i don't care if it's benefits or if it's something else i know that my there's a problem with my check and so payroll has to have the unique um ability to to work within the organization to resolve those issues and communicate back to the employee as appropriate We've spoken about how um, the profile of payroll has improved, especially in recent times. Mm-hmm. Is there any like common myths that you would want to debunk about payroll? Um, well, I, I guess the one thing that, and I think that we've probably gotten rid of this a lot, but sometimes you still hear it is, you know, it's gross to net. How hard can it be? Um, because truly that's what you're doing, right? But it's all the other things. What they don't understand is there is a big process 
when um, to calculate the gross to net, right? That things have to be in order. Um, and, and, um, and so that fallacy is um, it, it's always been interesting to me when I um, when I have talked to some executives that are wondering what payroll does if we're paid, particularly you guys are paid monthly. So what's payroll doing the rest of the month? It probably takes a week or less to process a payroll, and it's the same. It's gross to net. And why do you? What are you doing the other three weeks? You know. So really understanding the process, and I, I think that we debunk that myth by showing the value of the things that we do, Um, you know, the value of the data, the value of inaccurate data, you know, what, what impact does that have? So having a strong payroll leader that can communicate effectively um, across the broader organization is key to debunking most of the myths that are still out there. But I, I definitely think we have made lots of progress in this area um, in the in the last few years, I, I wanted to add just one really quick little story. So I never knew um, I, I I didn't really I always took my job in payroll or you know just being a payroll professional very seriously and and I could stand up to anybody doing any other thing in the organization. And one day someone gave me uh, a compliment at my company and um, and this is in the past and said, you know, you're really good. You, you, you're good at what you do, so on and so on. And it just seems like you should be doing more than payroll. And that is about 15, 20 years ago. And I was like, he thought it was a compliment, you know, that I, I'm good enough to do more. And I thought, you know, this isn't a compliment, but I'm I'm good at what I do and it's payroll. And this is more, <laughs> you know, this is more Absolutely. than a lot of people are doing. So I just wanted to share that because it 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 kind of sticks with me with the perception of payroll. At the same time, I was happy that I was able to um, show him that I was passionate about my work and I was relatively good at it. And I'm in payroll. I think I think I've come across that from external people, you know, People might just say you would be at a party and they go, so what do you do? Um, you know, so in the time, uh, you know, I used to be in recruitment, obviously, and it was in the payroll industry and they'd be like payroll. So what's payroll then? And you're talking to really intelligent people and you're just like, I've spoken to barristers and they've gone payroll. And you're just like, right. hello. One <laughs> <laughs> of the most intelligent people in the community because you defend people or whatever, you know, and you're asking me what is yeah. payroll. It's Everybody like, has to get paid. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> So that that same person, if they don't get paid, then they can they'll come to you and better understand what you do. Maybe that's what he needs to happen. He needs yeah, to and then and then he will find out. Won't he? Exactly. So you you've um as I said to uh, to you before that you've been I think you're one of the best networkers I think in in the payroll industry and I, I know we met over LinkedIn a long time ago didn't we Yeah. And I just think if you could, what what one thing would you influence the payroll industry? You know, how how would you influence the payroll industry if you could? Wow, that's a deep question. Well, and, and I do think it's about networking and it's about being who you are, realizing that you're not stuck in payroll. You're adding value to an organization. You're adding value to every single employee's life. And, and again, that's what I like about payroll is we touch every single employee in the organization. And if you think about that, it's like, wow, what I do 
impacts everybody at this organization. And that's an important role. And I, I think we have to realize that. And with technology, the process has become a lot more automated. And so as payroll leaders, we have to encourage our people to develop their communication skills, their networking skills, and to um, be seen within the organization, add value. And um, as a payroll leader, we always need to be creating a value proposition for our organization. And, you know, we've said it over and over again, payroll's biggest value proposition is data. The ability to interpret that data and provide inside practices, um, policies, anything that you can do to help influence decisions across the organization. Most, Most people that contribute to the success of an organization don't have the power of the data that we do. And if you think about, um, you know, really kind of building payroll up as less of a back office role, but more as a kind of front and center and, you know, employee experience and well-being and all that kind of stuff. Is there is there other education or training that you think we should be giving to payroll professionals around, you know, being able to speak about their role, confidence, presentation skills, data scientists, whatever it is, that that would help kind of further develop the 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 career as a as a kind of really valid, important career. Yeah, and and I I, I think I have been in the business long enough to see it change quite a bit. Um, I remember uh, when I started in payroll. If you see a job posted, at least in the U.S. anyway. It would be when they're looking for a payroll person, they weren't looking for any particular skills as much as a system. You know, do you know ADP? Do you know Ceridian or, you know, whatever the system is? And um, and we've had a change. If you look at the way that that postings are for payroll um, analysts, payroll professional, um, it, it's it's not just the ability to key data. Because we, you know, with technology, we don't have to just key data anymore, but it's interpreting the data. So, again, and I know I'm being a little bit repetitive, but it's all about um, training employees to understand what they do, the impact it has on the broader organization, how they can influence influence policies and procedures across the organization, and how they can influence the decision-making process. So that's all about, you know, data analytics, um, just, you know, understanding even how to tell stories with data. Um, because exactly. a lot of times we have all this data and we really don't know what it means. And we have all this knowledge because we see a lot of times the same thing. Um, but I don't know enough to say, hey, this may be an issue. Let me bring it to someone's attention. So um, it, it's really understanding the science. And I do think it is a science behind what you do every day. And and definitely, again, if if we have payroll organizations that are barely keying the payroll um, in a timely manner for each pay period, then we have issues. They need technology. They need a lot of different um, support. So I know that was a long answer. No, that was great. Yeah. yeah, I was. I I don't know if I've told said this story before, Tara. So tell me if I have. But sure. um, you know, obviously we're in Essex. So Felicia's been to Essex, so she's been to our offices previously, yeah. and um, obviously we had Towie. I think it's still going. 
And um, we, I had the opportunity to work with one of the girls from TOWIE in our office. So it was really random, but she didn't have anywhere to go. So I said, look, share our office. Bit daunting because I'm obviously not a TOWIE type person. I'm lucky if I've done my nails. Um, <laughs> but we, um, we, we, you know, we sat, obviously we sat together on, uh, you know, in the office. And I learned so much about her. And I actually thought there's actually an element where payroll people or people in business can actually learn. Because although on the screen you'll see them as maybe ditzy or whatever, however, she looked looks at herself as a business she looks at herself of how do I promote myself and make myself um as uh, sellable and I just said to her and it was just really rude and I didn't mean it that way I said I never thought I'd learn something from you but I have actually learned something <laughs> from you it's like to me she's just like this beautiful woman and I just think you know I had that stereo sure know, that stereotypical person but she's yeah. intelligent and and I said to her, you look at yourself as a business, don't you? She goes, yeah, of course I do. You know, everything I do is a business. And That's I was brilliant. Thinking, actually, for payroll people, it's almost like, I mean, obviously not to the extreme of that because we don't need payroll people in bikinis and all mm, sorts, do we? Sure. But it's actually looking at you as an individual and how do we promote ourselves Absolutely. externally? Because we can actually learn from people like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, it's 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 all about branding. Um, it, it's, you know, and... And payroll has changed through the years. It's not, you know, it's a back office process, but it's not necessarily back office people that are doing that. And so the less time that we can spend on transactional activities, which is all about technology and automation, the more time that we can spend developing those people skills and, and really branding payroll because, you know, there's almost every profession has a little bit of back office. Um, but you know, the majority of the focus is what you do front and center is, you know, is really where we, where we want to be. Where, where do you think the younger generation are going to come from in the U S where are they going to come from? Yeah. How are we going to capture the younger generation? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, one of the things that I think, you know, a lot of organizations used to have, and I think they still do, um, that when they have a, a training program, a management training program, payroll needs to be part of the rotation. So when you bring new managers or potential managers into the organization, just spending, you know, two pay periods, because you don't really get it in one pay period, but at least two pay periods with the payroll organization. If you understand what is done there, it's great for the broader organization, because as I mentioned before, payroll sees everything across the organization. So it's a great place to learn, you know, what goes on and how it impacts the employees. Um, that's definitely one of the things uh, besides the, um, as we talked about, the additional branding. Um, but the other thing that I will talk about, and you're starting to hear this a lot with payroll, is financial, employee financial well-being. I mean, that is, it's a great opportunity for payroll. So we hear about employee financial well-being a lot from a a planning and a retirement perspective. The difference in payroll is payroll is the here and now. We are meeting you at your time of need with the early wage access and just some of the things you're starting to see us do. Even with COVID and the new payment methods, you guys don't have as much of an issue um, as we do with electronic payment, but we still have lots of employees that prefer a paper paycheck. 
So imagine the burden on, you know, the employee as well as a payroll organization. And then we're talking about COVID. We're talking about sanity. How many hands does a paper check go through? So those are opportunities for us as payroll leaders to start to educate throughout the organization. If you're, you know, if you're not on electronic payment, these are some things that you need to do. If you have an issue and you've got an emergency and you need your um, earnings before payday, you know, these are some things that we can do. So there are some really neat, exciting things that touch employees that payroll has an opportunity to market ourselves with. How hard is it to set up a bank account in the States? Or is it just that people are used to getting checks? Um, it, it is um, it is challenging. Sometimes, uh, you know, there's there are some credit requirements. There are basically it's the credit requirements that will keep some people from getting it. But some of your bigger organizations have um, a credit union or they use their association with a bank. Um, to have their employees access it. So, um, but now with um, with internet banking, that's starting to change a little bit. But you, and and you've got like the um, most of the the younger generation. Um, it's it's not an issue, right? Because everything is electronic. So when you think about internet banking, that makes it a little bit easier. It's the 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 generation that we're target targeting is not necessarily comfortable with internet banking. So it continues to be a challenge. It, it is always the younger generation changing things, isn't it? <laughs> oh my god! And and I love I love some of the changes. I actually I love a lot of the changes that they're making. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so we've just had COVID. What were you able to do to keep yourself sane during lockdown? So, yeah, you said we just had it. We still have it, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want it to go been, away. Yeah. yeah, it's only been a year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so uh, what did I do? I, I pretty much stayed home, but but you have to get out, right? Um, and so I, I had a small circle that, you know, that's kind of how we socialized. And um, I I had a, a sanitizer. I've got, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I have so much sanitizer and I can even like, when I'm out, I know some people are looking at me like I have a little thing, a Lysol that you can put in your purse that I like spray. Um, <laughs> so all of those things, um, but, but I, I think, and I know we hear this a lot, um, COVID, is a lot about your mental health. Yes. And um, and that's why we had to have, you know, a circle because we realize it's just um, me and my husband, my kids are, are grown, um, but they would stop by. So they were part of my circle. And then I have a few friends because it just could not be us at home alone. One of the yes. things that, um, that my neighborhood did, and I lead the social committee in my neighborhood. <laughs> uh, one of the things that we did is every Friday we had a happy hour and everybody would just sit in their yard and you could, you know, do whatever. Um, and you were in your yard and we may walk to the end of someone's driveway, but you got to see people and, um, and we, that caught on so fast and it just, you know, the little things. So I think, um, in a nutshell, COVID forced us to be creative. It forced us to spend a lot more, um, time doing things that we didn't have time to do, um, 
So, so those are some of the things I did. I will add that um, because of COVID, I haven't seen two of the most important people in my life, my parents, and um, and I'm um, I'm really so now I'm getting kind of emotional because it's been more than a year. But I'm really looking. It's really forward. tough. It's yeah. really really tough. Yeah. Um, but I am trying to go home for Mother's Day this year. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah, oh, that would be really exciting. Yeah. So, and I, I hear that story from a lot of people that yeah. you know, there are some people that you would normally see and you didn't get an opportunity to see them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That must be the same in Ireland and also for us in, in the UK. I know we had a time where I did see my parents, I think, once or twice, you know, when we could. Right. You know, it's down in, into to lockdown but I, I you know there are some people that I know that have broken the rules but I understand why they have you know like there's that point you've got to obviously you've got to be careful what you say but I think there's a point where you've got your mental as you say your mental health there's yeah a balance yeah there's that right balance. and I think if if it, if mentally if you're not coping and you have to see somebody then I think you, yep. have, you have to do it don't you well, yeah I have to get on a plane as my parents are like 16 hours away So that's a, yeah. So, so that's another step that I have to make myself comfortable with. with That's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because all the middle seats are open now. That's what I was going to say. Delta's opened all the middle seats last week. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. My my sister um, has been um, from, she's flew from Amsterdam to uh, the um, the States. So she, she's now living back in the States, but I think she said it was okay. Yeah. Like yeah, I know. And yeah, so and my kids are flying, by the way, my son's in Cancun right now. Oh, but wow. uh, yeah, um, but um, but we haven't flown. Um, my husband and I haven't flown, but mentally, I'm just trying to get there. So you <laughs> might see me walking through the airport with a big, you know, hazmat suit on or something. <laughs> But I think you're right, though, isn't it? It's mentally. It's like, how do you... Because yeah. I, I came to the States just as um, COVID was starting to kick in. And I met this guy who um, was a... I think he's a scientist or a surgeon or whatever. But he, he writes all the books for, like, Contagion and, like, wrote for the film. And, you know, so weird. No way! But he was talking to me and he, he was mentioned who he was. And I said to him, I'm so sorry. You know, when you know... <laughs> You're supposed to know him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, yeah. I said, like, do you read books? I was thinking, no, I don't. <laughs> Not enough. And because he's written about, so I Googled him when he fell asleep, and I, he's written about 10 different books about uh, contagious diseases and everything. <clears throat> so it's really random that I was sitting next to him, and he was talking about it. But anyway, but there was people masking up then, and then it was so weird that people were wearing masks. But now it would be weird, I think, to see people not wearing masks, wouldn't it? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I, I'm the kind of person that that points out the people not wearing masks to whoever. Oh yeah, me part. too. Yeah, I'm like, or the people who wear it under their nose. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's not a nappy. Exactly. <laughs> nappy people. Yeah. Exactly. I always think if you're going to do a job, do it properly. So that means OB and Absolutely. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Right. So you, yes, so you have absolutely. Yeah. You've been doing the whole Netflix binge watching then. Yeah, actually, we've done everything. I, I have not been able to read um, to read books um, just because my attention span isn't what it used to be. And I just can't read um, like I used to. But oh, yeah, I mean, I watch uh, I've caught up on everything on TV. I had to believe it or not. I had never binge watched anything. 
um, just because my attention span is isn't there. But um, during COVID, I definitely did that. Um, I cooked dinner, as you can tell, every day. Um, just you know, the the simple the simple things. And I will tell you guys this: with COVID, one of the things that I really really like is um, I love doing the Zoom meetings. And someone's dog barks or their kid walks in or, you know, yes. like, you know, because it humanizes, it has humanized everybody. And I Absolutely. think some of the things that have happened, we really, um, as a nation or, or, you know, just across the world need it to happen to yeah. just kind of slow down and humanize everything. Because it was, you know, we were like robots. You know, Absolutely. Speak- and I think it's never going to go back. It's never going to go where like part of a manager's job is to know the dog's name, the kids' names. And, you know, I think it's really important. It's very important. And it, you know, like I said, it's just humanizing people. Um, So you don't necessarily have two personalities, you know, one for work and one for your personal life. They come together, but they've come together in a really good way. I agree. Unfortunately, we've come to an end, Felicia. It's been fantastic. What a, a great session. We've learned so much about you. Um, Tara, great, wasn't it? Oh, Felicia, it was so great to meet you. And I just think um, it's amazing the people we're meeting in payroll. And I just think you're fantastic. And you're you're such an amazing evangelist for for the role that it's going to take. You know, I just think it's fabulous. So it's great to to meet you. Great. Thank you, ladies. It's all about payroll. It's all about payroll. I mean, we, we need some more Felicia's in, in the business. We do. So we do. Spread the word. I agree. I agree. <laughs> the Humans of Payroll podcast is recorded in partnership with Amidis. Amidis is the leader in consolidated global payroll solutions processing payroll in over 150 countries. The Amidis platform provides a unified view of global payroll operations, real-time data analytics, and advanced reporting capability while ensuring legislative compliance and data security. Amidis's deep integration capabilities with HCM and finance providers dramatically simplifies multi-country payroll obligations.